Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, Jeremiah 33, and we started last week a series called Fresh Fire, which is about how to make and keep our spiritual fire burning. Let's go like an inferno for Jesus, right? Because inside of us, there is a spiritual fire that the Lord wants burning brightly. He wants us to be, it, to be burning even broadly with a depth inside of us. Yet oftentimes, sometimes we find ourselves, maybe that fire is not burning as well or as great as it should be. And, um, and God wants us to be burning on our, our journey every single day uh, with him. The, uh, and, and one of the things I, I was thinking about when I put up fresh fire is the fact that, you know, fresh does not mean stale, right? Fresh does not mean stale. It doesn't mean day old. It doesn't mean um, deteriorated. In fact, I looked it up in the dictionary, right? Fresh means newly made or newly harvested. Newly made or newly harvested. So fresh fire simply means a newly made, newly harvested fire of the Holy Spirit burning in your heart, right? Igniting your spiritual life that God desires for you. But here's the deal. That's a daily thing, right? Because it's not, remember, fresh is not day old. Fresh is newly harvested or newly made. And so each and every day, we're supposed to be making a, a, a new uh, uh, um, uh, re- relationship, a new commitment, a new um, uh, posture, in our relationship with Jesus so that that spiritual fire can burn fresh and anew, right? That, that's the hence of fresh fire. But see, what happens is oftentimes we, we, we don't do that. We forget about doing that. Or we kind of just move on with our day because, you know, we're trying to just get through and, and, and do those things. And then, you know, sometimes it's kind of on the backside. It's on the, on the, on the times when we think, well, yeah, you know what? Oh, I guess I should have. And I didn't. But see, God wants us to create this, this, this newly fresh fire intentionally. Every single day, we should be intentional about fueling this fire in our life. Amen? All right. Because see, here's the deal. God doesn't want this flame to peter out. He doesn't want what's burning in you to be these kind of small embers um, or, or burn, you know, totally out. He doesn't want you to do that. What he wants is for you to continue on this relationship. And as you do that, then he's the one that helps you along that line to help be able to sustain that spiritual fire for us to be able to walk in. And and it really can happen because some, some would say, well, really? I mean, God wants me to be an inferno for Jesus. He really wants me to, to be on fire in such a way that it's impacting other people's lives, that, it, that it's, it's, it's grabbing a hold of other people's hearts and being able to lead it? Yes, absolutely, 100%. 
But see, the thing is, we have to understand and realize that we can burn right now. We can burn as that in fire right now. We can keep getting brighter and brighter each and every day that we walk with God. It's not, it's not something that God holds back on you. He's eager. He's wanting each one of us to, to, to invest, to be intentional about this relationship with him. Right? And, both, and, and you and I both know that where there is no fuel, right, for say a fireplace or a fire pit, then there is no fire. Right? There's no warmth coming from it. And so we have to, as believers, understand that, you know what, and I'm going to use this kind of analogy a little bit, and maybe you might say, well, that doesn't really make sense, Pastor Scott, but I think it does. But see, as believers, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? The Bible tells us that. The Bible says you are the temples of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit wants to burn brightly through you, okay? He wants to burn brightly through you, but unfortunately, many of us are not putting fuel into the fireplace of the temple, right? We're not putting the fire, the fuel that needs to ignite so that the Holy Spirit can, can shine through us, that the Holy Spirit can burn through us. So we're not putting any fuel into the fireplace. And then that's why a lot of us are not producing any spiritual power and any spiritual heat to impact other people. Because sometimes we, we wonder, well, man, why is that person so on fire? For, I mean, look, they're just so on fire for God. And people are, 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 are being led to Jesus, and they've got all this going on. I wish I could be there. Well, a large part of it is because we're just not doing the work. We're just not adding the fuel to what the fire that's in you. So first, you've got to understand there is a fire in you, right? If you're a born-again believer... The Holy Spirit is in you, and there is a fire in you. And you know what? It is up to you 100% of the time to have that fire um, being fueled or to be running, to be op operational. But see, what happens is, is because we don't put the effort in, we don't put the work in, then what, what, what goes on is the fact that, you know what? Our fire begins to diminish. And we just kind of go through our day just, you know, trying to, Oh, man, I don't know. I, you know, sometimes I don't even think, you know, my relationship with God is all that good. I don't even think God hears me when I pray. I don't even think God cares about me. I don't even think God loves me. I don't even think God, God's even around, right? But see, those things start to happen in our mind when we're not adding fuel to the fire. Does that make sense? So it's so important that we, we recognize that and we understand that that's part of the process. But see, if we want to begin to see power, the power of God in our lives when we pray for people or when, when, when things are happening, then you know what? We've got to be able to put fuel into the fire. We've got to keep stirring it up. And so we have to intentionally stir up what God is doing in our lives, okay? And so, 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 6, right? We, we, we find Paul reaching out to Timothy, and he's telling Timothy, Timothy's discouraged. Timothy, man, is not burning as bright as he used to. He, you know, he's pastoring this church, and all, the, uh, 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 all these people are beginning to stray from, 
from the truth of God's word or, or just finding persecution and all of these things. And, and so Paul, being, being kind of the spiritual dad he is to Timothy, recognizes and says, hey, Timothy, stir it up, man. I, I, I need you to stir it up. So he says this to him. He says, therefore, I remind you to... Now, I'm going to stop right there. Just that, where it says, I remind you to, right? Paul's not saying, hey, I'm going to help you. I'm going to be, make sure that I'm the guy that's carrying you along and everything. He's going to do that, but he's trying to get across to Timothy. Hey, it's up to you. It's not up to me. It's not up to me as your spiritual dad. I will speak into your life. I will talk to you. I will encourage you. I will try to do everything that I can. But when it comes down to the the very grassroots of all of this, it's up to you. So he says, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which uh, which is through the laying on of my hands. Now, I gave it to you in the Passion Translation last week where it says, I'm writing to encourage you to, again, so you too, right? Fan into a flame and rekindle or awake or excite the fire of the spiritual gift of God imparted to you when I laid my hands on you, okay? So we have to understand this is up to us, right? Last week, we learned the word stir up means do what you used to do to put life into your fire again. Do what you used to do to put life into your fire again. But see, here's the deal. We've got to be open enough, right? We've kind of got to open the door of our heart and be able to look at it and be able to analyze where is our spiritual condition, where, where are we at? And, and we have to evaluate it honestly. Because we, you could be at a point where, you know what? My embers are burning so low right now. And I, I just don't feel the passion. I don't feel the desire. I don't feel the hunger for God as much as I used to. Well, that's a great indicator that, you know what? You're not adding fuel to the fire. You're adding probably improper fuel, right? The fuel that the world has to offer. Because the world has fuel to offer, and a lot of times, that is the easiest to run to, to that fuel, and say, oh yeah, man, I, man I'll, I'll feel great if I go and, and, and do this, or go do that, or, or maybe if I hit, let's just say, the club, or, or whatever it is, those things, that, that's going to add some, I'll feel good in the moment. But overall, it's not going to do you good down the road. Because it's the wrong fuel. It's the wrong stuff that you put in. Oh, if I just watch my favorite TV show, it's going to be great, right? And then it's like you watch the show, and really that doesn't change you. That doesn't do anything for you. Or if I watch a, a football game, or if I watch a basketball game, it doesn't do anything for you. But see, that sometimes is what we feel like is going to energize us. Give, us. give us a new passion or a new, oh, hey, this is great. But it might do it for like a few hours, But then, you know what? It's going to all of a sudden be squashed. And then you're going to be hungry and looking for something else. But see, God's word is not that way. God's plan for you is that, man, you would live on this high, 
right? All the time in your walk with Jesus. But see, the problem is, is we've got to begin to put things in place to where we're disciplined to be able to put things together and say, okay, you know what? Well, I'm going to make sure that I am doing what I need to do in my relationship with Jesus, right? You think about it just even in your relationships with your husbands or your wives or your boyfriends or your girlfriends or whatever, you got to put effort into it, right? You got to make sure that, man, it's being nurtured and you're seeing love and you're seeing all of these things. Well, same thing applies when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, and so I want you today to kind of just, and maybe throughout the course of the rest of, the, of our, our series here, is think of yourself as a fireplace, right? Now, you can be in an elaborate one, you know, with gold all around and all that, or you can just be a plain old fireplace or fire pit or whatever you want to do. But I want you to imagine that, right? And I want you to think about how the fact is, is that, you know what? I got to keep adding fuel to the fire. I got to pay attention to it. Right? In order for me to experience all that God has, the, 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 the spiritual fire that he wants me to carry in my life, I've got to pay attention. I've got I to attend to it. Right? If I've got to get the poker out, then I'm going to get the poker out to kind of move those things around and kind of create a little bit more of the embers. And then, you know what? I've got to start adding stuff into that. And so last week we talked about, the very first one that we talked about, which was fuel to our, our spiritual fire, was God's word. And I didn't try to lay it out in a sense of, okay, hey, you got a journal, you got to do this, you got to do that. I just tried to show you, you know what, there's power in God's word. God lives. That, that's God breathed. He lives in the word. And then how, you know, the, 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 um, the early church, the early believers, they were addicted to God's word. Right? We think addiction is bad, but they were addicted to God's word. Because I said, man, they, they, they stayed steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Meaning, man, they were locked in. That, that was so, so important to them. And so our second fuel for today is going to, uh, to help us uh, remain spiritually on fire is prayer. Okay, the fuel of prayer. And I'm just going to pray real quick. Holy Spirit, thank you for helping us understand the importance of prayer this morning. Amen. Okay? So prayer is an essential fuel to stir up the coals of our heart. Um, this prophetic voice, this gentleman named Leonard Ravenhill, this is what he said. No man is greater than his prayer life. That's convicting to me. No man or woman, is greater than his prayer life. It's such a profound statement about prayer being absolutely essential if we're going to ignite and maintain our spiritual fire. So that, this is our second one. We talked about God's word. We got to have God's word in our life. We got to be, you know, in it and reading and, and, and allowing it to change our life. But then, you know what? We've got to then now take prayer into this. And when you pray, it's going to add spiritual fire, fuel to your spiritual fire. Jeremiah says this, Jeremiah 33.3, and, and you're going to hear this scripture a lot during this service. But it says, call to me, now, this is God talking. This is not Jeremiah. It says, call to me, 
and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Right there, we have a promise from God himself. I mean, how, 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 what, can, what else can you do with that? This is a straight up promise from God. He says that if we will call to him, he will answer, and then he will demonstrate amazing, phenomenal power in our lives. That's what he says. Right? And we look at that and go, yeah, but how come I don't see great and mighty things happening, Pastor Scott? Well, we'll get into that a little bit. Because maybe there's some elements to this fuel that you're not necessarily paying attention to. And you think, well, I can do the one and done and something should happen. Right? But that's not how God necessarily works. God can miraculously, on the one and done prayer, show up, show off, do what he needs to do. But I think, overall, there's some stuff that God wants to work in our hearts and wants to work in our lives, and wants us to be able to, to grab a hold of and say, okay, well, yeah, it's more than just one and done, and I you know, kind of like the drive-through at McDonald's or wherever you go to get drive-through, right? You just don't go and say, okay, I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and then you pull up, and boom, there it is, right? So that's sometimes how we wish God operated. We wish he would do that. Just, just do it. That's how I'm used to. But God's like, no, I don't do that. I, I just don't do it that way. And we have to understand that that's, that's just kind of how we not, it doesn't work. And when we look at the book of Acts, we can see that when the earth, early church prayed, what did God do? God released his divine power exponentially. He released it. They called on God and God answered. And he showed them great and mighty things. I've heard this one time. That uh, when, when, um, when you rely on man, you get what man can do. But when you pray and you trust God, you get what God can do. Man, and that is so much better than what you and I could ever do. Right? When we trust, when we pray, when we actually get in there and say, all right, Lord, let's, let's go. Um, Samuel Chadwick, a Wesleyan minister, said this. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. He trembles. That's the power of prayer. But see, sometimes we don't, we don't put an emphasis on prayer. We don't. I mean, you call a prayer meeting and maybe a handful of people show up. But, you know, you have a service and more people show up. But see, prayer, prayer, prayer is one of those things where, yeah, I know it's important, but I don't do enough of it or we don't do enough of it. I, I, I um, in talking with my mom, my grandmother uh, my, mom, my mom's mom, she used to go down to um, this place. It was, it's called Angelus Temple. It's in LA, part of uh, the Foursquare thing. And my grandmother would take my mom and her sister, and she would go down there, and she would spend hours praying. 
And my mom and my, my aunt had to stay in this little room and play with toys or whatever. But she's all, ma'am, grandma used to go and pray for hours and hours. And man, we have a hard time just even praying for 10 minutes or for 20 minutes or even an hour. We think, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could do that. Right? But see, that's, that's the thing. We've got to understand there is power in prayer. And I think the enemy knows that when we begin to get on our knees and we begin to pray, that you know what? That is adding that, 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 that fire, that fuel to the fire inside of your life. And, I, and I'm not talking just one and done prayers. I'm talking when we begin to really grab a hold of this and begin to say, okay, I'm in this, man. I'm going to be praying. I, you know, it, it's really tough sometimes when you, you do have people that say, hey, will you pray for me? Oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then how often do you follow that up, right? Because, you know, we just get busy and we forget and all those things. And so almost like you just have to stop and say, okay, let me pray for you right now. Because you know at least you're going to pray for them now. And then, you know, maybe down the road you kind of begin, begin to pray for them. But we have to understand that, that, that every time that we're, we're going before the Lord and are, are, are seeking him and asking him, why can't we believe that he won't show us great and mighty things? Because that's what he promised, right? He promised that. And, and, and that's what I, 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 I get so like excited about when I read in the book of Acts. Because in, in the book of Acts, we can see that Prayer for the early church uh, um, was something that they, they did all the time. It was something that happened all the time. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, we're going to just go look at a couple verses. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It says, they all met together and were continually or constantly united in prayer. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Now, that's 120 people, the Bible tells us, that gathered in the upper room in Jerusalem waiting for what Jesus promised. They prayed for 10 days. Can you imagine that? Would you, would you be able to do 10 days? I mean, think about it. We're looking at 30 minutes. Oh, man, I got this to do. I got that. Oh, goodness. Oh, man. What's for lunch? Right? I mean, I'm just saying, but it says that they stayed and prayed for 10 days, they continued, and then they reaped the results in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came. But, but, but think about that. It was not just, hey, we showed up, we did what Jesus said, he showed up in the room. All right, Jesus, thank you for sending us whatever it is you promised. And wait, right? No. It says, I'm taking it literally what the Bible says. It said that they continued in prayer for 10 days in agreement, thanking the Lord. That, that's some serious prayer going on, right? Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. I love how it says three o'clock prayer service, right? But see, what were they doing? They were on their way to a prayer service. 
They were like, all right, yeah, you nothing stopping me from that. Because that's what we do as Christians. We spend time in prayer. And so here they are. They get to the gate. And there's this guy who's, who's lame or who can't walk um, um, from birth. And he's asking for alms. He's asking for donations. And so what happens? Peter and John basically call out to God in prayer, right? And this guy jumps up and he's healed, right? Because heaven answered Peter and John. They showed. Yeah, our God showed great and mighty things. Because they called out to God, right? But see, here's the deal. Again, I don't think it's because you could look at it and say, well, that's a one and done prayer. No, I don't think so. Because I, I believe that, man, faithfully, Peter and John prayed, right? They would show up. Three o'clock prayer time, we're there. This just happened to be at one instance where this guy was there. But see, they had built this fuel, had continued to allow it to grow in their life to where God showed up. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. It says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Can you imagine the house that you're in or the place that you're meeting or wherever you're at, man, you start praying and all of a sudden it's the house starts shaking? Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be like, woo? But see, I don't think it just happened just because they showed up that one time. There was a routine in their life that they kept on praying and kept on, kept on, kept on going and kept on going. And then there's a result that happens. Again, they called out to God. And God answered them. And he showed them great and mighty things. The Holy Spirit came. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly or constantly for him. The church... Not just one person, but the church. The church gathered when a brother was in need. And they prayed for him constantly. I mean, here Peter was. He was thrown in, in prison. He had no way of getting out. But again, the church gathered and began to constantly pray, began to ask God, God, would you intervene? Would you get him out of there? Would you bring him to freedom? And then what happens? God shows up. God sends an angel. Angel comes and, and, and sets him free and leads him down, down, down the road. And then all of a sudden the Bible says that Peter came too and was like, man, I thought that was a vision or a dream. But it wasn't. It was reality. And so then Peter ends up and he shows up at the house where everybody was praying for him. And guess what? The people, they were stunned. They were like, What? Our prayer worked? O-M-G. Well, probably not, because they probably didn't use that phrase back then. But you know what I mean? They, they were actually stunned. Because here they were, they were travailing, they were praying, they were believing and asking God to intervene. And so God said, hey, if you call out to me, I will answer. 
and I will show you great and mighty things. And so they could have done the one and done prayer and see what happens. But no, the Bible says they constantly kept praying. They stayed in the game. They just didn't give up after one time. We'll see, it didn't work. Sheesh. Man, I guess, you know, that's it. Let's break up, man. See you guys later. Because it didn't happen right away. No, they, it says they constantly, they were in prayer that night, praying and, and asking the Lord to intervene. So then Peter shows up. They're amazed. They can't believe it. Oh, my goodness. But see, from in the book of Acts, from the beginning to the end, we find the early church praying and God responding. Just read the book of Acts. You see the early church praying and God responding. And as a result, then the early church was on fire for God, right? You would look at it and think, man, look at all the stuff that's going on. Look at the activity that's happening in the book of Acts. How God's moving and how God's doing all this. Well, a lot of it is because the church prayed. People prayed. They took it as though this was something I need to do. Which all goes back again to Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. So, we see that God stays true to his word. Every time. Now, will it come in the results that we want or immediately? Nah, maybe not. But he always stays true to his word. And his promise is, if we would call out to him, he will answer. So, if we want, listen, if we want New Testament results in our, our prayer life, then we must do what the early church did. And that is remain steadfastly in prayer. If we want New Testament results, I want New Testament results. I want to see signs and miracles and wonders. I want to see God do great and mighty things. So in my life, I'm pointing at me. I'm not looking at anyone else. But in my life, that means I got to pick up my game. I got to pray more. I got to, I got to be more engaged in this. I got to be thanking the Lord that, you know what? He's going to show great and mighty things. Because I might just pray and say, Lord, show up. But I'm not asking, hey, let's see great and mighty things. Let's see something that would totally blow my mind. I mean, that's pretty, pretty radical prayer, right? But see, he wants to do things that are beyond our mental capacity. Beyond our actual, our knowledge that we know of. That's the God I serve. He's bigger than me. And so why can't he do the things that he wants to do? But see, I want to see God move mightily today in our church. In, 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 in all places. Wherever I go, I want God to be able to use me. But see, that's going to be me sincerely calling out to God with faith-filled prayer and going after it. See, prayer, prayer can't be, our prayer life can't be regulated to a side issue. Right? Which is, which is it is so often for all of us. And I'm pointing at the fingers at me too. It's kind of like a side issue. Like we think about, oh yeah, yeah, but we don't really put the heavy weight into it. This is what Billy Graham said. I thought this was really like, wow. He said this, heaven is full of answers. Wait, heaven is full 
of answers to prayer for which no one bothered to ask. For which no one bothered to ask. I mean, man, you let that sink in for a little bit. How, how radical am I asking? Well, I'm not the perfect Christian. Okay. Doesn't matter. Right? I, I, I wonder in the book of Acts if every single one of them was the perfect Christian. But see, when you join together and, and we're praying and believe in God to do something, then you know what? God's no respecter of persons. God will show up. He'll be faithful to his word. But see, we, we can't be prayerless saints. We've got to be people of prayer. So in order to have prayer working as a fuel in our spiritual fire, right, so that God's power can be alive in our life, let me share with you three important uh, truths with you, or three important things. Okay, the very first one is make prayer a priority. Make prayer a priority. From the book of Acts again, we can see that prayer was a top priority for the early believers. Here's why. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We read this last week, but... It's so, so important we get into this. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Right? And in prayers. And we learned last week that steadfastly describes a person or a group who perseveres consistently, intensely, intensely, intensely focusing and working hard at something. Really, it's just kind of a picture of effort that never gives up. Effort that never gives up. Meaning, you know what? They, they put in just, amount of, of, of just a, the same amount of weight to hearing the apostles teach and give them the word of God. They put the same amount of weight on time and prayer. That's what that means. They weren't, they weren't going to have anything deter them from hearing God's word, from hearing the apostles teach them. Then, when opportunities arose, when, when situations arise, they were like, you know what? Same weight. Same thing. I'm praying. I, I'm, I, I'm going to be there. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get on it. I'm going to be praying more than what we, we would normally do. That's, that's, that's what they were trying to get across. So that lets us know that the early church we're intensely focused and committed to prayer. See, if we want things to happen like it happened in the New Testament, then we've got to be the same way. Just plain and simple. Not, not, not kind of wishing, or, oh, yeah, I wish, I wish. I'm speaking to myself too. I wish, I wish, I wish. But he says, you know what? I've given you what to do. Be intent. Be intentional about prayer in your life. Be intentional about it. Make it a priority. Right? They, those guys didn't try to like, you know, kind of, oh, how do I fit it into my schedule? No, it was something that was just their life. It was a priority to them. They, they kind of just, it was wrapped around their everyday living. See, we, we, we sometimes don't think that's how it could work. Because we think, well, no, no, no. I have to have 
the dedicated time where the lights are dimmed low and there's worship music in the background and the candles are lit and everything's perfect. Do it. Go for it. But it does, if you can't do that, then don't let that stop you. Say, okay, well, man, I'll pray at Walmart. Right? You can pray at Walmart walking in the aisles. I mean, you don't have to sit there and say it loud, but you could, you could do that, right? But see, that's taking opportunity. That, that's become a lifestyle. That's become a, a, pri- a priority to us. And see, again, going back to Jeremiah 33, if we do that, he'll show us great and mighty things beyond our natural understanding. He just will. So we have to understand that we've got to take the responsibility and decide to spend time with the Lord in prayer. It has to be a high priority in our, in our life. Now, um, I always love going back to Jesus because to Jesus, that prayer was a high priority to his life, right? Uh, we read in the Bible, there were many times that he would go away to places alone to pray. There was times that he got up early in the morning. There was times that he was up late at night and he was praying. He was seeking the Father. He was going to places where he could not be bothered and he would actually spend time with the Father. But see, you would think though, but man, he's the Son of God. It should just come naturally. But see, he was intent on making sure that these things would happen, that he would, would make sure that he created this priority that set aside time where he could be with God. In Mark chapter 6, we get a great example of this. You know, and, I, and I, I, even though he was the son of God, I think too, I think Jesus understood that, that man, he's adding fuel to his fire, right? But in Mark chapter 6, where Jesus, you know, he just got done feeding 5,000 people, the very first thing he does is he instructs the disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side. That's the very first thing he does. Tells them, sail over to the other side. The King James Version says, straight away, he constrained them. Okay, now that, that, that's going to be something that we'll get to in just a minute. But basically, it means that he made them do it. He forced them to go. Because really, if you think about it, why would they want to go? Some great things are happening. There's this miraculous, miraculous multiplication of food that just took place, right? There's all this buzz and excitement going on. So, gee, but Jesus was very intent. No, I need you to go away. See, I don't, I don't think Jesus might have missed Church 101, um, you know, because he, he had a great moment. He could have said, hey, will you fill, fill out a visitor card for me? You can fill out a prayer request card. You could do all of this. He had a great moment. I mean, here he had all these people, 5,000 people, right? But he does it backwards. And what does he do? He sends them away. He says, go, go home. Do, your, do whatever. What? Because you would think, he would be like, okay, stay right here. We're going to build a church. And then all you can just be in this church. And we got 5,000 people, church members. But he doesn't. He says, go home. Go home, tell people what you've seen, tell people about me, right? But there's, an, there's a reason why he did it. Because right after he sends them away 
and he sent the, 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 the um, disciples away, he goes and he prays on a mountain by himself. So it wasn't exactly like Jesus was, could have said, hey man, I did this great thing. Yeah, let's just keep patting me on the back and whatever. No, he knew that the importance of prayer it was such a priority to him that he wasn't going to be caught up in all of that stuff, but he was going to say, hey, disciples, you need to go on the boat, go to the other side, please. And you guys need to be out of here because I need to go spend time with the Father. I need to spend time with him. And, and that word straight away, kind of what I would say, it, it basically means without delay. Like he, he wasn't messing around. He was like, no, man, you need to, 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 to get out of here now. Like it was urgent to him for him to get away. But he couldn't get away if the disciples were there or even if all of the huge, huge crowd was there. But he wanted to, to stay in touch with God the Father. It was just so important to him. So here Jesus gives us this great example to follow. So, so if, we, if we're going to follow Jesus, then you know we need to put prayer into our life. It needs to be essential into our life in order so that that spiritual fire can, can continue to burn. But we have to make it a top priority. The second point is, don't stop, keep praying. Don't stop, keep praying. You remember that journey song? Don't stop believing, Right? Okay, well, that's kind of like, don't stop, keep praying. Even though I'm not Steve Perry and I can't sing like him. But don't stop, keep praying. The apostle Paul wrote this in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. It says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. The word continue in this verse has such an important meaning. Uh, in this verse, it portrays a strong, never give up type of leaning towards the object you're praying for. Never give up, right? Yeah, you guys heard that what, a long time ago. What was it? Push, pray until something happens, right? But that, it describes that someone, someone's not just doing a quick prayer and that's it. It's about, no, I, I'm invested in this. I'm invested to see God move. And you know what? And I'm going to keep praying, and I'm going to keep praying, and I'm going to keep praying, and I'm going to keep praying. I think all great revivals are based out of prayer. When we see God move, it's because there were people who said, yeah, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to call out to you. And you know what, God? You're going to show us great and mighty things. And so, you know, if we're looking for, for that spark, that, that thing or whatever it is, man, it's got to be one on our knees. Right? It's got, to be, it's got to be something to where, man, we are giving full attention, persistently just pressing in to the things of the Spirit, learning to you know, engage it and, 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 be, and, and be to the point where, man, you know what? I'm going to keep praying until I see something come to pass. Whatever that is. And if God doesn't answer it the way you want to answer it, then too bad, so sad. That's, you know what? Put on your big boy, big girl pants and keep going. 
Because sometimes we get a little like, oh, see, it didn't work. You didn't answer. You didn't do this. Pastor God, you said he'd do great and mighty things. Well, I'm not God. I'm not. I'm just trying to deliver what he said in his word. And so we've got to understand, you know what? We've got to be people who are constantly praying. Constantly. We've got to be determined that we're not going to give up until we see the answer come to pass. Right? I remember, I think I told you a long, long time ago, but my my very first um, funeral I did was for an 11-year-old girl who had cancer. And I remember, man, just about every week, I would drive 45 minutes to that hospital and I would pray with her and ask God to heal her and ask God to, to, to just do the miraculous. Do great and mighty things, God. But he didn't. She didn't get healed. She passed away. And man, it was like, oh, come on, God. But see, I'm not God. All I can do is what God tells me to do. He said, I want you to go and I want you to pray the prayer of faith. I want you to believe. But you know what? It was, there was still such an impact that her life had on her family down the road because of her faith. 11-year-old girl. She was believing God. She kept trusting God. God, I, well, if I go to heaven, I go to heaven, Pastor Scott. That's just the way it is. But you know what? Yeah, I want to be healed. I want to be well. But see, that impacted her family. But see, God is just so faithful, but we have to keep pressing in. We've got to be consistent and determined and unwavering in our prayer life. Jesus prayed all the time, so why can't we? This is what he said to his disciples in in Luke 18. One day, Jesus taught the apostles to keep praying and never stop or lose hope. Mic drop, right? He says, hey, guys, you want to know the secret? Keep praying, never stop, or lose hope. But see, we lose hope way too fast, right? Way too fast. We might get two days maybe into a prayer for somebody or whatever, and because something didn't happen, the pin has burst our bubble, and we lose hope. But see, God, God, Jesus said, hey, guys, don't ever stop praying. Don't ever, ever, ever stop praying. The Apostle Paul, what? Prayer was foundational, It was an important part of his ministry. And then this is what he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17. He says, be unceasing and persistent in prayer. So now you have Jesus saying, hey, don't stop. Then you have Paul saying, hey, don't be unceasing, right? Or be unceasing and persistent in prayer. So if we want to see the results in our prayer life, then we've got to continue to pray and not just give up after one prayer time or two times 
prayer times or three prayer times. Who knows? It might take 10 days like it did in, in Jerusalem. Who knows? It might take a year for what you're praying for. It might take three years. It might take five years. I, I don't know. But see, God honors when you get before him and you stay continually praying for that situation, that thing that you're wanting, that you need answers to. He'll honor it. Like I said, it might not look the way you want it. It might be a little different, but he's going to honor that. And he might come around you in different ways that maybe you're, you know, like that old saying where the guy's like, you know, God, I called out for help. And he said, well, I sent a helicopter. Yeah, but I, I didn't want to go on, or on the helicopter. I don't know how that story goes. But, you know, oh, yeah, God, I, well, I sent a boat to you. Oh, yeah, I didn't want to go on a boat. Well, God, why didn't you help me? Well, I sent this. And he's like, no, I, I didn't. See, there, there might be things when we're praying, even though we're not seeing the direct answer, God's still moving. And God's still doing things for you. And you're like, well, wait, 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 wait. That's not looking the way I thought it would look. That's okay. That's what trust, that's what faith is all about. So we're going to have to just have a sustained focus when we pray. So don't give up, right? And the very last one is just pray always. I mean, it's pretty simple. Not a, not a real hard one. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 Paul, Paul says it this way. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. The Amplified Version says, with all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times. I'll say it again. At all times, on every occasion, and in every season in the spirit. That means, you know what? You got a green light to pray all the time. To pray all the time. And that, that's what that word always means. Right? It means in each and every occasion or every time you get an opportunity for you to pray. That's what Paul's trying to get across to the Ephesians and to you and I. Every time you get an opportunity, no matter where you are or what you're doing, seize the opportunity to pray. Seize the moment. So that means that we should stay in an attitude of prayer. We should have that attitude. So guess what? You can pray when you get up in the morning. Okay? Now, I'm trying to make this as simple as possible. It's not like, you know, you get up and then you got to go run to your closet and go pray. You can get up on the edge of your bed. Father, thank you. Man, I'm breathing again today. I'm alive. I'm so grateful and so thankful for that. Oh my goodness. Man, it just blesses me that you, you, you would continue to work in my life today. I know I'm going to get up. I'm going to start my day. But man, you're the first one I wanted to talk to. You're the first. On the edge of your bed. Right? You don't have to get up, like I said, and get, you know, the candles going and all that stuff. But on the edge of your bed. Right? You can do it when you're walking in your house. Just walking, walking the floor, like walking down into the, to your kitchen, from your bed to your kitchen. Man, God, you're just so good. I don't know what my day is going to be like today, 
But I thank you that, you know what, those certain areas in my life that I've been praying and asking you for, I thank you that you're going to be a part of it. You're going to intervene. You're going to do the things, right? Or when we go get a cup of coffee. Some of us can't function without a cup of coffee in the morning. My wife, amen, right? <laughs> but but uh, seriously, we don't talk until she has her coffee, right? Because it's like, just kind of a head nod. She's like, and then she has her cup of coffee and it's like, hey, so what's your day like? What's going on? What's happening? Right? Right? It's true. Okay. See, I just want to make sure I'm telling the truth. But, but understand, when we're getting our coffee and we're waiting for it to drip all the way into our cup, right? You know, that whole that drip thing. God, thank you. Right? Thank you for coffee. Thank you that coffee helps me wake. Right? Or whatever. But see, it's that intent. You can pray. You can pray before and during your devotions. You can pray in your car as you go to work, right? Or if you're going to have a meeting, pray before your meeting. Or in a meeting, pray while you're in the meeting, whatever it is. Or if you know what, and, and sometimes too, throughout your day, if God drops somebody's name in your, in your head, in your heart, pray for them. And, and it's not going to take away from what you're doing, but man, you can sit there and type a typewriter. I'm sure you guys are multitaskers, right? And you can type and say, oh, Father, man, I just thank you so much that, man, you would bless whoever, Pastor Scott today, and just be with him, and you know, whatever. We can do it. But see, that means praying always, all the time, any given situation. We, we can do it. So, I mean, you guys kind of get what I'm talking about. Pray when you go to bed, right? Get back on the edge of your bed. Father, thank you for an awesome day today. Or, Father, man, it was a rough one. Oh, gosh. But you know what? I know you were a part of it. I know you were there. Maybe I didn't see you today as, as much as I would like to you for you to be there. But I know you were there because you promised that you would never leave me nor forsake me. You would always be with me. So, Father, thank you for that. Thank you for, for being a part of that. And so we can pray wherever, whenever. It's not complicated, but it's got to be a priority, right? It's got to be a priority in our life. We've got to be in a constant state of prayer. I, I, I can't tell you all the times that I'm, I'm, I'm just involved in all kinds of stuff. And I, I, I'm relying on my prayer. I'm relying on God to show up. I'm relying on that because I know I'm human in my own strength. I can't do half of this stuff. But I can with him. And as I keep praying and asking the Lord to intervene and be a part, then he, then he shows up. It's the coolest thing. I get, I get in the car when I leave here. And I'm just telling you, First thing out of my out of my prayer, God, thank you for just being there. Thank you for just helping me to deliver what, what you put on my heart. And I don't know if it was great. I'm probably not the best speaker in the world, but God, you know what? You showed up. You were there. Holy Spirit can speak to him. But see, you would think, well, yeah, but you're not, you know, in your prayer closet or, or not in your, you know, room with the low lit candles. No. God takes prayer anywhere you are, at any time, and stuff. So, so all, all I'm trying to get across is, you know what, prayer is such a, a, a major key to us continuing to add fuel to the spiritual fire, right? So if we're taking God's word and we begin to, to raise that level 
of, of our intake. And then if we begin to take prayer and we become more serious about it and knowing that God wants to show you great and mighty things if we would call out and ask him, right? And then all of a sudden, when you start to see things happen, that again is going to ignite even more of a passion and a fire in you. But see, it's just understanding that, you know what, that's another fuel to the fire to keep that fire burning for you to live at the level that God wants for you. He doesn't want you living at the level of, of, of low-lit embers with no passion for Him, with no desire to see anything about the kingdom of God really come to pass. What He wants is each of us to be so locked in to where, man, we are putting fuel to the fire constantly, a daily thing. It's fresh, fresh fire, right? It's daily it's a new, fresh fire that I'm walking in today. It's not yesterday's, right? Because a lot of times we rely on yesterday's fire. But God says, no, I want you to rely on today's fire. But see, you got to put the fuel to it in order for it to grow, in order for it to expand, in order for you to be that, that um, person and I believe that God wants each of us. They're, they're, I think that inside of us, all of us have this little gnaw that says, man, I'm not, I haven't reached my full potential yet. I haven't really reached that thing that I feel like God has for me. I don't know what that is yet. I don't know really what that looks like. Let's see if we would begin to just take the practical steps and say, okay, I'm going to add fuel to my fire. I'm going to get God's word. I'm going to do prayer. I got some other things coming. Then you know what? I think he starts to, to all of a sudden shine that brighter within you to where all of a sudden you start walking and going, okay, this is what a relationship with God is all about. This is so cool. This is not what I thought it was. This is something far greater than just trying to go through the motions day by day by day and just struggling. God wants more for all of us. And so, and, and wants more for our church. Really does. Um, and we've been praying. And, um, and so let me, let me, let me, yeah. So, um, so starting in September, Because we've been praying, we've been a meeting, Larry and Debbie and I have been meeting on certain days to pray for this church, pray for our congregation, to pray that God sorry, would do great and mighty things. Because I'm not satisfied. Larry's not satisfied. Debbie's not satisfied. We want to see God move in our services, in our community, that we would have such an impact. So we've been meeting, we've been praying. Well, I didn't talk to Larry, but I talked to Debbie. But God's really laid out my heart that on Friday mornings, beginning in September, we're going to meet here at our, our, our Catawba campus. If you, if you can, if you can't, totally understand. But you can join us at home. But we're going to be here at 6.30. 6.30 to 7.30. So 
So that way you can go to work if you need to go to work or do whatever. But 6.30 to 7.30, every Friday morning, we're going to meet here and we're going to pray for an hour. We'll pray for 20 minutes. We may then talk for another 20 and then pray all together for 20 minutes. But I, I, I just really feel like, you know what, in order for us to get where, to where God wants us to be as a congregation in this community, it's going to take prayer. It's going to take it. And so I'm inviting you, right? And if you can, like I said, if you can't make an awesome blossom, right? But if you can't, that's okay too. But just know that that, that is something we're going to start the first Friday of September. Okay? All right. Let me tell you to bow your heads and let me pray for you real quick. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the words that were spoken to us today. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you continue to speak to us throughout this week. And may we add this fuel of prayer to our life so that the spiritual fire in us grows stronger and brighter every day. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.